little foe she craved. Well, that's where we all would meet. Skipping rocks and skipping school. Daddy taught us a golden rule with an old cane pole. A shady spot to sit. We learned everything we knew. That old foe she craved. We learned everything we knew Cause we lived down on Boshy Creek You're listening to the Foshy Creek Podcast. I'm uh, Joby Holland. With me today, Mr. Dustin Shed Whitaker and Mr. Jake Meyer of Mossy Oak. How you doing, guys? Good. Doing good. You know, if you don't mind... Uh, Going to kind of start off maybe with letting Shed kind of introduce himself a little bit. Tell us about him personally, professionally, and, and really, uh, in the time I've got to know Shed, Shed's going to say what he wants to say. So that's why that's the thing I love and appreciate about him. So, uh, Shed, tell us who you are and what you do. And anything else you want to tell? Well, I'm Gina's husband. <laughs> We're all known by that. Not yeah, necessarily like Gina's. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I am uh, Dustin Whitaker, which I guess is my... Uh, common law name, but everybody at Mossy Oak. What the cops refer to you as? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That comes up with my mugshot. <laughs> but yeah, at Mossy Oak, I'm known as Shed, which um, I think I've had that name like 20 years, which came from the first hunt I went on. I found uh, I was actually with uh, Cuz Ronnie Strickland and found a bunch of elk antlers. We were up in New Mexico at uh, Mick Chapel's place, and uh, they found a bunch of elk antlers, and elk hunting sucked, and so I was carrying them out, and made Cuz carry part of my camera equipment on the first trip I'm working for him on. He was like, ah, "Your nickname Shed," and it kind of just went from there. And uh, does anybody know you by Dustin anymore? Call you that? There's some people, but you'll be somewhere and you'll hear somebody say Dustin. I'll be like, "Who's that?" Because it's you know, or they'll call and like, "Well, we were told to talk to Shed, but you answered the phone." I'm like, "Okay, I'll be Shed today." It's like an alter ego I can use from time to time. When I really want to make somebody mad, I'll just put Dustin at the bottom. Like, yeah, that, that was the other guy that said that. But I know in a lot of meetings, will will and like if it's somebody that's sort of new or anything like that, a lot of times we'll throw out a disclaimer. Hey, if we call it if we call Dustin Shed, it's because that's what we always call him. So Dustin is Shed, Shed is Dustin. So we we'll always throw that out there. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I've been there. Oh, yeah, Dustin, this is Dustin so and so. And then ten minutes later, they're calling me Shed. You see people like, <laughs> who is that? <laughs> they don't know. But yeah, I've been. Let's see, I've been at Mossy Oak. I was twenty years August first. And, uh, well, let's see, started as a production guy and then kind of worked my way up through there. And, uh, now I'm technically, I guess I'm called director of marketing, but marketing's changed so much. You don't, it's not near as, uh, I I don't think it's near as elaborate as it used to be. Everything's kind of got narrowed down with all the social media and that's Mm -hmm. focus is all digital, digital, digital. And, you know, they kind of forget sometimes about the old guys that still read magazines and watch a little TV. But Has it been tough to adapt to that, to the new way of doing things? For me, because I don't do social media. Yeah. I mean, I do for work. Mm-hmm. But I don't go home and once I go home, i got other stuff to do. Yeah. And, so I, and I don't pay a lot of attention to the Internet in the evenings. I don't watch TV through the Internet. 
part of it too is I don't have it at my house. Yeah, just where I live, <laughs> out the road twenty. Well, miles you don't want it here. You just ain't getting it. I'd I'd have it, but just you know the government ain't brought it in there yet. <laughs> <laughs> we still got well Bootlegged water in. and yeah, bootleggers right up the hill. So <laughs> that just depends on uh, the day of the week, really. Whether you know three G works out there, we don't even get five G yet. So it's yeah, just numbers uh, you ain't even heard of yet out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but. <laughs> But yeah, it's I, that part of it's changed, and I mean, then it kind of makes you wish you were born a hundred years ago, so you didn't have to deal with it. Because mm-hmm. it's to me, I, I don't. I'm a guy. I like to go if I'm going to buy something, I'm going to try it on. I'm going to go to the yeah. store. I'm not because anytime I order something, it's not what I want. Unless it's like a like if you're ordering like a piece of archery equipment or ammo or something that you've seen. But if it's clothing or something that you know, even something like with a bow or something bigger than that, I'd rather go check it out than buy it. Because it always mm-hmm. seems like if I buy it, I got to ship it back yeah. if it's online. It just, that's just me. As Bob Dylan once said, the times, they are changing. Mm-hmm. And they've already changed. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd never done a Zoom meeting until Corona happened. And there's nothing to it. And Jake and I talked about that a little bit, I think. But, you know, really all you got to do is put a button, push a button and schedule it. But it's just something new. And at my age, you know, I'm 53 and been in my business for 30 this is my 31st year and i'd never done it before so i didn't want oh, oh I, I won't figure that out. i won't be able to do that and of course this made you do this hit a button and record it not, not a big deal but a lot of new technology is not, right. not quite that easy you know you got to download the app mm-hmm. that's right <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go through that you get finger cramping with oh, that oh yeah you know, first you gotta google it you know yeah, yeah. google you gotta see master the google search yes mm-hmm. you do and check all the updates out <laughs> What uh, family-wise? Also, uh, I've got, uh, like I said, I'm Gina's husband. <laughs> but uh, so uh, I am uh, married to my first wife, and she. Then uh, I've got three kids. I got an oldest daughter. What's she? Fourteen, and then uh, my son's thirteen, and then I slipped one past the goalie, and I got one that's four. <laughs> Whoops! And so yeah, it was a kind of a. <laughs> It was one of them. We did a lot of practicing and didn't think anything would uh, come out of well, it. Well, guys got to keep in shape. Yeah, got to keep staying the game. Yeah, well, I said that's like if you do that, it's like running a mile. Yeah. So if I can run a couple miles every day, that's I'm right. Good. That's right. And uh, but yeah, I slipped one past the goalie, and so I've got a third one. So she's like your personal trainer in a way, keeping you in shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking yeah. out, looking out for his best interest. That's right. You know, well, that's more little league football games to go. A lot more mem- more hunts to go oh, on. Yeah. You know. Yeah, get older and other and older kids. Somebody's still there to take you hunting. Yeah, you know, so. I was thinking about that last night. I'm like, all right, so two more years. If they're still this good in football, my November is going to be shot. So Ohio, I have to turn that over to Jake for a couple of years because I'm not going to get to go up there. And <laughs> I'm, gonna I'm there for watching, you. Yeah, I'm going to have to be here watching football games for because you're Ohio native, isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up in Ohio, Zanesville, Ohio, which is. Probably an hour east of Columbus, which sits dead center in the state, and uh, which is I grew up in Muskingum County, which right on the Muskingum Wicking County line. So if you know anything about Ohio, those are probably the two best counties in the state to whitetail hunt. So growing up, I mean, it was I can think of hundreds of times literally driving down the road. You'd be driving down the road and see, you know, 140, 50, 60 inch right? deer, just be like, huh. And the deer hunting there, growing up, was phenomenal. And it, uh, of course, screwed up a lot of deer hunts, but, you know, it was just a 
plethora of place to catch your teeth and learn yeah big deer a lot of at that time nobody had anything leashed up so you just every farmer out there yeah i hate them damn deer because they're eating my alfalfa and they're in my cornfields kill them all and everybody let you hunt and and about the time i moved down here is when things started getting leased up i remember moving down here the first year i was here and they were like oh well if you want to join that hunting club that's really the only place you can hunt it's 1200 bucks a year i'm like I'm paying to go hunting. I don't have to pay in Ohio. Why would mm-hmm. I pay in Mississippi yeah. when the deer are three times as big in Ohio? And then within probably a year or two, everywhere I used to hunt was leased up and gone. Then it just happened that quick overnight. But it went from, you know, just good old boy system and days of deer drives and mm-hmm. having all that fun to, you know, you can't go on my place no more. This guy's yeah. paying me five dollars Boy, yeah, I, I guess. I, don't, I mean, it, last 10 15 years maybe maybe longer than that you know leasing's kind of took over a lot of mm-hmm. leasing companies and you had to go knock on a door ask permission anymore it's just not not there like it once mm-hmm. was you know especially used to me used to if you now if you got talking about rifle hunting maybe you know maybe the odds were were less but you know bow and arrow archery you know oh you're gonna bow hunt like well you're not gonna kill anything price yeah go go have at it but yep. uh, that gigs up <laughs> yeah. you know no now you know you kind of got uh Reputation. I think I told you once. I said, "Says shed your name should be Stone Cold." And I think Jake kind of has kind of said the same thing to you uh, over the course of time because you have a tendency when you go hunting, uh, you, you get it done. Is there is there a rhyme or reason to that? There has to be. I, you know, we, me, and Jake have talked about that, and it's really there's two things. One, I've wounded a lot of deer and, <laughs> and stuff growing up, Guilty. and and I think. You, you know, like, you know, I mean, I I still get it when a deer or something walks up and I know I'm going to shoot it. It just, your heart goes beating. And like we were in Wyoming a couple weeks ago and the guy's like, I can hear your heart through the headphones because I was just thumping and that adrenaline rush. And that's probably like game hunt. time, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's just, I like that. And, uh, you know, it's, there's, it's like the best feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. It's probably like people with, you know, that use drugs, but. It just it takes a long time to, at least it did for me. And there's I mean there's thousands of other hunters out there the same way that they get in that situation. You've kind of got to refocus and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Because if you don't, and that's the difference maker. I mean, you know, having them to me the emotions, the endorphins or whatever it is you call it to get you all excited and breathing heavy is a great feeling. Know that you still have that feeling. Mm-hmm. It still means something to you. But then to be able then okay, bring it down and is where that stone cold yeah, nature kind of comes in. And the other part of that is just shooting so much archery, right? growing up, shooting a pile of tournaments every weekend, and then just sitting in that backyard and every days, you know, you shoot 100, 200 arrows, and just that repetition. Because there's been a lot of times, and I've told Jake, but I, you know, you shoot an animal and I don't remember where I shot. I mean, I don't remember aiming technically yeah, yeah. at that animal. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, but your instinct, and, but you did, but I did, your yeah, took and over. killed him and he ran right off. And a lot of that just comes from, I think, that repetition yeah. of just shooting. And that, that breeds that confidence too, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like showing up to play a football game or basketball game, you had practiced in your mind, you know, I'm not ready for this, yeah. you know, so yeah, yeah confidence is uh, like those guys, like, you know, you hear about, uh, like Kobe Bryant used to, like, He'd lose a game and go stay in the gym till four or five in the morning. Go up to his old high school and they'd let Janet let him in and just shoot repetition, repetition. It's just the same with with archery hunting. Mm-hmm. It's just you got to do it 
you know, you just can't go before hunt and then shoot five or six times. There is people that do that. And, you know, hey, I got lucky and shot a deer, but I can promise you, you get in that situation, there's going to be a time you're going to screw it up because you just, it's just that repetition. You got to do it so much. And whether that deer goes from 30, 40, 50, 60 yards and you got to readjust, but if you've done it enough in your mind, it's just, and happens. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I, that's helped me out tremendously. Yeah, it just, just becomes second nature to you. Yeah. What, um, you know, we talked about family a little bit, and, and you guys are gone a lot. And uh, how do you how do you balance, you know, the family and and your schedules? Because a lot of times you don't might not know your schedule. Things change till kind of last minute. Yeah, it, that over time, when you start, the more kids you get, the less you travel. Yes. It's like uh, you got to kind of pick and choose where you're going to go, what trips. There was a at one time I can remember. You know, I take every one. Yeah. Especially when I when we used to when I worked in our production side and and was running camera and and uh, being a field producer, you give me the hardest trip where, where nobody else wanted to go, I take it. Just give me the work and be gone months at a time. And then you know when I got married, kids start coming along. Well, you won't be home if you yeah. like. You know, I know there's guys that don't like their wives, don't like the kids, <laughs> and they they stay gone. But I kind of like mine, so it was like I want to be home. <laughs> As long as they like you, you probably yeah, take advantage of that. There's probably know? days they don't, but so I like being home, and then and it then it just comes over time. It's like, I mean, we could, I mean, we we used to get. It's not as much now, probably. Um, and Jake's more in the line of where he gets with PR being a lot more hunts get offered. But there was a time I'd get, I could go every week somewhere yeah. between. We were sponsoring almost 50 TV shows and every one of those was like, Hey, you want to go hunt here? You want to go hunt here? And I'm like, at one time, yeah, I'll go, I'll go. I'll go. And I'd go on, you know, sometimes 10, 15 hunts fall. And then now it's, I just picked the two or three best ones that I know I'm probably going to, you know, have the opportunity to shoot something really nice and just do those. It's a little tough, you know, especially you got a four year old, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when that dad, where are you going? Dad, when you coming home? That's, that's, that's yeah. tough. Yeah. You know? It's not, you come home, he's the one that gives you a hug, and the other one sit there and watch TV like, oh, hey, dad's back. Yeah. And hard to imagine that when you didn't have kids and mm-hmm. thinking you heard other people talking about your kids. Oh, what, you know, what, what are they talking about? It's a little tougher than, than, mm-hmm. what, you, than what you think. It, oh, yeah. You know, uh, watched your episode several times, actually, there on uh, Whitetail Edge with Ben Rising on the Bucky Kill there in Ohio. One of, one of the things that, kind of, I think he referred to you as like a bulldog in the crowd. And, you know, I've seen that, you know, I've had the good fortune to, to, to get to meet you and know you. And, and I see the same thing. I see probably like the friendliest guy that you want to meet, humble as they come. Uh, you could talk to somebody for hours, you know, so, you know, I'm from Aussie Oak, you know, but you don't do that. You know I mean? You, you're you, but you also as friendly as you are, you know, man, I don't know if I want to cross this guy. <laughs> There's just some, it, it, and you might, your wife might say, oh, that's really that's ridiculous. Some kids whip him around, you know. But there's an element in you where you know, to a point, I'm not crossing crossing Shed Whitaker. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't. I used to get in a lot of trouble, but <laughs> I think some of that is is the remnants from years past. Yeah, is my kids always are like, Dad, you always look mad. My friends are scared of me. I'm scared of you, and I like. I think that's just this, the permanent scowl that's you know been in, put on my face at times. But it's not that uh, um, I'm like, you know, I got you know, my, I got some buddies. They just nicknamed me Hate because they think like I think some of it is it just comes from. If you ask me something, I'm going to be pretty direct and tell you, hey, if you suck, you suck. Yeah. I hate sugarcoating stuff. There's mm-hmm. no reason to say, oh, hey, yeah, that's really nice. And uh, we did a good job. And 
you know, yeah, let's go that route. Man, that sucks. <laughs> if you suck, then you should just say, hey, look, it's not that great. That You really did shit. People need to know where they stand, and, yeah. and, and you ain't afraid to tell them. No, it's it smells true. like that's a true. turd or looks like a turd. Yeah, you can't Shadow sugar. call it a turd. That's right. Don't sugarcoat it. Yeah. I hate that. You're just wasting time. Just say, hey, look. This is no good, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes I've probably been a little more blatant and say, "Yep, that sucks." <laughs> yeah. And people, you know, you, you know, this day and age, you say that and they melt. It's like, ah. but it's true. If you if it sucks, it sucks. If I do something, you should be all over me. But that was kind of the, ra- the way I was raised. I, you know, back when I played sports, if you did something, I mean, I can remember coach just screaming in my ear we had a coach that that uh, used to eat grass and we'd be on a football field and his lip would be green and he would just sit there and just spit and it'd be like you know a llama now nowadays or a cow you'd have this llama. just green you know just green stuff all over him and he's just screaming at you and you're wiping grass off your face and, and then when i and then when i got out of high school for a couple of years i worked for his construction company and the guys that uh owned it it was they, their names were uh Luberg. And those guys were, when they walked in the room, you were like, oh, shit, this, you know, you, you get your job done. Yeah, we're going to work 14 hours today. Nobody's going to complain, and you're going to work like hell. And that's just what we did. And and I think it was from watching those guys and being around those guys, if you were late, you know, got screamed at, and they fired you. And that's just, those guys are still like that today. They still got a big construction company, and, and, and uh I think part of that comes from just how I was brought up, brought up, and then um, I think some of it is just I just that persona is kind of over time is oh that's you you know, like that it's kind of it's like a I don't know what you call it like like a little bit of ghost but yeah I, you know and I have you know I was thinking about it on on the right way over it's like. We've been had meetings and stuff before, and they're like, "We let Shed, you don't need to be in here." And I think they're, they're like thinking I'm gonna just like say something that shouldn't or blow up on the guy, and it's never happened. It's like it's almost like that fairy tale, like, "Oh yeah, that's the guy. He's in HR every week." No, never happened. But oh yeah, he was so and so's and cleaned the bar out and whooped ten people and like. I might have that reputation, but it's never happened. <laughs> so it's, it's like the good thing. It's nice like, to have that seed planted. Yeah, it? it's yeah. They all think that, so it's it's more of a the alter ego is to help with that. But there's really not much behind it that I can tell anybody. You know, I gotta I gotta ask what what was the purpose of chewing on the grass? Any idea? I don't know. He just did like secret nutrients. I, I don't know, but he'd always have a piece of grass, like a, you know, like a farmer sometimes. Mm, yeah. But it, you know, fall and and up there, it's you know, like green, like fescue or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's just oh, he would always and just screaming at you. Just, and he grab he grab your helmet, and just shake you back you. and forth like, hey, God, you suck! You got a block and just back and just screaming that stuff like, out. Green stuff flying in your face, oh, yeah. wiping your eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jake, tell, tell us a little about who the heck you are. Uh. And I know the answer to that question yeah, already. Just Christie's uh, husband. The, I, I'm Christie's <laughs> husband is my claim to fame. If anybody knows that or knows of her, they'd understand why it's that's claim. my claim to fame. Um, no, she's amazing. But yeah, with Mossy Oak, a public relations, work in the marketing department with Shed, and uh, been here for three years now. Started my outdoor career in Oregon, made a move from Missouri to Oregon, and uh, worked out there for two years for an, an agency in the outdoor industry and then was presented with an opportunity to come work for Mossy Oak and 
it's a dream come true. It was always my lifelong goal and childhood dream to work in the outdoor industry. And uh, kind of like Shed, you know, I, I'm not from Mississippi. I'm from Missouri. Um, he's not from Missouri, but our, my point is he and I both moved uh, across many states to fulfill our, you know, our professional dream, if you will. I mean, speaking for myself, that's what I did. And I know he moved from Ohio, too. And uh, we actually talk quite a bit about, you know, how we got to where we are and just, you know, what, what it means to us to do what we do and work with who we work with in the industry and with the company. So it, it, it's a lot of fun. Shed and I work together, I mean, on a lot of different projects and we're always bouncing ideas back and forth off of each other. But um, yeah, we work together about all day, every day. We work in the same hall and, you know. We're the only ones there anymore. <laughs> yeah, pretty much true. He's at one end and I'm in the other. Yeah, so we, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we are, I mean, with COVID and everything, a lot of people are kind of choosing to work from home respectfully so and uh, we're, uh, we're there, um, just like he said, he has horrible internet at his house, and so do I, so we, we don't have much of a choice if we want to stay connected, so we're there, mm -hmm. holding down the fort. You know, Jake, Jake and I have talked about this before at length, and, you know, I, I, I get a lot of people, and I mean, and I'm not in your industry, and you all get, so you all get this all the time, you know, which is what we're going to talk about a little bit as we get going here, the, as far as how to get in the hunting industry, and I, I think the thing, to me, it's got to be mentioned with you two guys, is just committed for chasing your dream because not many people do that you know and uh to leave where you're from ohio that's a long way from mississippi mm -hmm. you know and same thing from you know being in missouri and uh story I, jake and i was telling jake i heard the old story liberace the piano player was you know playing the playing the piano and the guy comes up and tells him how much he had man i just love the way you play the piano i'd give anything if i could do that he's like no no you wouldn't no you don't real smart you know the guy's like no i I'd give anything to play like you. I love listening to piano and I just love, give me anything if I could do what you do. He's like, no, you wouldn't, you know, so I'm, I'm not interested to so just go away, you know, so guy's kind of confused and tells him again, yeah, I, no, I, I'd really like to play the piano like you. So finally, look, no, you don't. If you did, you'd have made the decisions I did. You'd have practiced for 14 hours a day and you wouldn't mm -hmm. chase your dream and said, just act like you wanted to do it. And I think that's, you know, a lot of people, I want to do this, I want to do that. Okay, well, you need to move to uh, Mississippi when you live in Ohio. Oh, well, I can't do that. Yeah. Can, can you bring Mossy Oak to Ohio? If you bring here, I'm in. Yeah. You know, or I got to move to Portland. You know, oh, no, well, I can't do that one. Yeah, when I, when I came to work at Mossy Oak, everybody worked at the office and was pretty much from Mississippi. Mm -hmm. I, I think they, they, we had, they had hired Joe White, which he's actually from Missouri, um, and, uh, but he had moved to, to Mississippi. And then I was – I think I was probably the second out-of-state guy that they hired, and I moved down from Ohio. And that's, you know, that's exactly right. Like, you got to put a little something yeah. into it. I mean, I literally, I slept on a couch for a year. My stuff was in somebody's garage. When I moved to Mississippi, I had $300 in my pocket. My parents did not want me moving down here. My dad, I can remember, he just was like, and he's not a hunter, so he didn't really understand the outdoor industry or know mm -hmm. much about it. And he was, you know, the look was, what in the... <laughs> are you doing this is a boy that i raised yeah and you know you're gonna you know you got college education you're going to do and you're gonna go do this you know he like you know there was offers for like hey i'll give you this if you stay and i'm like oh, i'm going down there so i left and 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 basically i lived on a couch for a year had a guy that we were rooming with that they he actually worked at mossy oak at the time we were paying him rent he stole all our money and uh we got evicted 
and basically me and, and Joe and another guy that lived there, a uh, other guy that was living with us, took all our money. We come in, he's driving brand new cars, brand new entertainment center. And we're like, how is this guy making us money? Because we didn't make nothing. I mean, literally, like nowadays, we were below welfare. And uh, which is, <laughs> this, is a, this is true. I mean, we didn't make crap. And we're traveling all the time. I mean, which was nice because really you didn't have a lot of food. Or, I mean, you were home like one day a week and then you're back out on the road filming. And, but this guy had everything. And so all of a sudden, like a year into it, we get a knock on the door. He's actually gone. We get a knock on the door. It says we owe thousands of dollars of back rent. And then literally. They've been paying rent. Oh, yeah. We're like, 10 minutes later, the lights go out. <laughs> he made it so. Time to go. We're like, what in the hell? So we ended up kind of got it straightened out, moved out, and then moved into a trailer. We had the, the person that, that lived in this trailer was an oil rig guy, and he had took all, or he was gone, and his mom's like, well, he's going to move into this house. If you guys move all his stuff out, you can live in the trailer. And so we moved his stuff out and lived in a trailer for a couple of years. We didn't have a pot to piss mm -hmm. in, but, you know, been stolen from, and just, you know, you got to give up, you know, if you want... Do something. There's always something you got to give up That's to right. get there. Yeah, too many people not to me not not willing to do that. Only only if it, oh, only only if it suits them. <clears throat> and there, go ahead. And there, and in that span, there was probably half a dozen guys that come <clears throat> through work. I mean, they might work there a week, might work there two three months, and be like, oh, this, I can't do this. That's I'm right. not getting no money. You know, blah, blah, blah. you know, it just takes. Yeah. It's, it's a time. To me, it's kind of a last man standing deal. You know, and a lot of that you get that to me from sports. You know, as far as that, just that perseverance to keep going. If you're willing to hang in there, live in a trailer, get evicted, you know, and I'm not going anywhere. This is what I'm going to do. No matter what profession it is to me, you know, a person can make it in there. A lot of people from where they come from, from where I come from, from example, you know, I mean, you don't think those opportunities are out there. But if a guy wants it bad enough, mm -hmm. he can do it. Yeah, you know? that's right. I've had several people reach out for opportunities, you know, just trying to crack into the outdoor industry. And I know Shed has too. And, and I'm telling you. I've fed many of those people opportunities and in, in, in a way of like, hey, are you interested in this? Well, I'm, I'm telling you about 98% of the time they say, well, I can't move. And it's like, yeah. well, okay, then, you know, you're, 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 making, you're making your own bed mm -hmm. there. So, it, yeah, I think the biggest thing is going where the work is and where the opportunity is. And that's what took my wife and I to Oregon when we did and now Mississippi. But the same with Chad, too. I mean, it's what he wanted to do. It's what I wanted to do. And we did what we had to, to mm -hmm. do. Yeah, and you, and, and you were single at the time, mm -hmm. weren't you? Yeah. Of course, you were married. Had just gotten married at the time, really. You That's know, right. Or close. Yeah. And so you got to have somebody at home that supports you, you know, that wants as much for you as you want for yourself. That makes it, makes it a lot different. You know, I remember when Jake, uh, Jake's wife, Christy, taught at the school I was at. And actually, I played music at Jake's wedding, yeah. played a little country music playing country music, I guess that's accurate now, the quality of it, because it's totally, totally <laughs> different story. But did we play some music there? Yes. I guess music could be debatable. Had a good time. So we met Jake at uh, actually a bar called Midway Bar and Grill, because it's kind of a country bar, almost kind of an outdoor. Oh, it yeah. looks like it does yeah. it here. You know, bear, grizzly bears. The bathroom doors say buck and doe. You they, decide which one's for you. They do. Right now, not far from where y'all lived. And so when Jake... Uh, Took that job in Portland. I mean, it's like, and I told him, I said, I think it's just like a week. It wasn't long, hmm. you know. He's like, Hey, I'm getting to go on, get going this hunt. You know, it's my first assignments. Right? He said, oh, God, you know. And it's like two days later. Hey, I killed 158 inches. I'm like, I've never seen 158. I've been hunting for 35, 
35 years, 40 years, and I hadn't seen 158-inch. Yeah. Yeah. So what a way he, to get started. When he started with us, it was our boss, Ben, was like, hey, take Jake to Wyoming. He was like, hey, I'll go on that trip. I'll go on this one. All right, I'll take you out there. Let's see. I just want to drive him all about it. And then I ran him up and down the mountain. Dude. <laughs> it was. It was pretty I fun. started in late April, and that hunt was like May 1st. So, mm -hmm. I mean, same thing, really. Yeah, mm -hmm. we had a good time there. That was fun. Down in Georgia, your hunt there mentioned been rising there earlier, but the best part, like, of course, big deer, your biggest deer with a bow, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah. But the best part to me was when when you're in the stand and you're, well, hadn't seen much this morning. Got a call uh, that uh, had to move my had to move my vehicle, you know, so uh -huh. had to move that, and then uh, then got in the stand. And, uh, where you dropped you? Dropped you, my wallet. Dropped your what? Did you drop yeah. something else first yeah. or some? Yeah. Uh, yeah, my ears. Trevor, and then dropped my wallet. And you go, then a black hand <laughs> crossed in front of us. <laughs> Yeah, oh, you go to ground there's just hundreds, just dollars oh, yeah. all over. And it all fell and just blew up. I think that yeah, we had a, this black cat kept coming by, and uh, I, he, he had a like a signpost out there. It looked like a scrape from where you were sitting at in the tree. But every cat that come by, we were <laughs> like the one thing I always love about Ohio hunting is, is the, the cat hunting. Right, the feral cats, <laughs> great cat, great cat. <laughs> but that ground's so chopped up, it's like. It's just like different parts of the country. If you, if you go to Ohio, a hundred or two hundred acre farm is a big farm. You come to Mississippi, thousand acres is yeah. a big farm. Everybody down here's got a hundred acres. It seems like, and then you go to Texas, ten thousand acres. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got ten thousand yeah. acres. So, you know, but that ground's so chopped up, and it's easy to kind of pattern deer. And there's there's uh, funnels and fingers and crop fields, and it's just a it's a fun to hunt. And you know, you come down here. And you're sitting on a thousand acres and it's all flat and you're like oh, this is you know it's a little guys that live in the south that kill consistently good animals mm -hmm. they're really good hunters yeah, because it's very. it's kind of a daunting task guys, it, it is down here because it's you got to kind of figure out where these deer are coming from where are they staying and it all look, kind of looks the same in a lot of mm -hmm. places well Ohio's not like that you know it's they're going to come through this finger or bottleneck they're yeah. going to go around this corner and so that place where we were hunting backed up to get to a subdivision and then, and then it's about a 200 300 acre farm right there and so we were on the corner and literally houses behind us but those deer were coming around that corner and you know of course every cat in the neighborhood's coming through there and this one spot they all stop and pee and roll around in it and it's like from where you were sitting it looked like a scrape you're on it i think we had four or five different cats come by every day it's like oh here comes the cat again <laughs> You never know what you're going to see no. out there, do you? No. You know, tell us before we get going into you know, getting in the hunting business, Zimbabwe. What's that What's that mean to you? So when I first kind of, when I first started at Mossy Oak, we used to do a lot of like Alaska. Um, we did some trips, a lot of trips to Canada. Uh, every now and then we'd do one to Mexico. But I always had this growing up, this mentality, give me the hardest job. I'll take it. Doesn't matter to me. I don't. But I'm not like a computer guy are going to write a 20 page essay but i'll go work all day long you know if you said let's go dig a ditch let's go dig it so when i came to work there i was like give me the hardest jobs if you know nobody wants to go to alaska and it's, it's alaska does suck i mean because it's you're always wet the wind's blowing and uh so i just always had this mentality give me the the hardest stuff and so 
Alaska or Africa came up. We were doing we were going to do a deal with I don't know if you remember Bob Folkrod yes. back in the day. Bob had all the hunting videos. Him and Dan Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. guys like No Feather. Yeah, and so it was. We're going to do this deal with Bob and Bass Pro Shops, and Bob was going to kill every species of animal with a Browning rifle um, on film, and everything that he killed was going to be put in Bass Pro Shops. And it was going to be a five-part video series, and we brought Bob on board, and Moss Yoke was going to be part of filming that. So the as soon as the deal got done, it was kind of a Bass Pro deal. They said, hey, Bob's going to Africa three weeks. Who wants to go? And I was like, I'm in. But it was a month. It was, we were over there for a month. So at the time, I was not um, I wasn't married. But I was dating my wife, so I thought, all right, it's just perfect time. I'll get engaged, because if you get engaged, especially you know around all your buddies, they can give you a hard time. Oh yeah, there goes your life. Uh, so I said, I'll just get engaged before I leave. Then maybe my wife will at least you know that'll maybe she won't cheat on me for the month I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> so I got engaged, and I'm like, <laughs> and good then by the time I reasoning. by the time I get back, everybody already says, oh, shit's engaged. So I won't get no hard time about it either. So like two days before I left, I get engaged. Told a couple of people so it'd get out a little bit, and then I'm off to Africa. And so we went with the we hunted South Africa, which is it's basically like South Texas. It's all high fenced. Now some of the <clears throat> the place over there they're called concessions instead of like the ranch or you know where you hunt at. So all these concessions are everything in Africa is high fenced. It's their law. If you own if you hunt a concession or you've got wildlife, it's got to be under a fence. But so those but those animals aren't they're wild it's just that's they to keep you know some elephants and then and some of that stuff out of there that they don't yeah. want in those areas they they high fence everything but it might be fifty thousand acres but it's got a fence around <laughs> it and so um but it just the the terrain and the look and feel of that place looks like south texas and of course but the animals you know they're a lot they're really really spooky but so we, we spent a week in South Africa, and then we drove from there into Zimbabwe, which is like the Wild West. There was no laws. That it's pretty much, you know, it was pretty wild. But it at that time, I think the governor of uh, Zimbabwe was, uh, I think Mugabe was his, his name, and he had, um, they'd had a pretty good uprising, and they, they had these people come in. And I could, could be wrong on some of this, but I think they were. it was called the war veterans. Well, the war veterans were actually like these nut goofball Antifa people that think they, you know, you know were, they're doing the right thing. But Mugabe and these war veterans, they went around to all these huge plantations, ranches, and basically said, we're taking your ranch. If you don't like it, we're going to kill you. A lot of the, the people, um, they, they just murdered them. And so when we went over there, a lot of that had taken place. And, uh, you know, the government had kind of taken over all these big concessions. And the PHs, like the one we had, I think his family farm was about six, 7,000 acres. And they basically come in and said, leave, we're going to kill you. It's our place now. And so he had, you know, had to move into town. But he had so become, they gave the option. Oh, yeah. Now, not everybody. And then I'm sure some of those people fought, fought them. Mm-hmm. They just killed them. So they took over all this, uh, you know, hundreds, you know, pretty much the country from what I understand, and, and these guys lost their place, but he became a PH, which in Africa, uh, you've got to have a like a guide in the U.S. in Africa is a PH, which they're over there, they're called professional hunters. There is no professional hunter in the U.S. So if you see a guy on television 
says, oh, I'm a professional hunter. You're a freaking liar. <laughs> there is no professional hunters in the U.S. But in, in Africa, that's what they're called. they got to go to a school for a few years. Um, but, you know, the life-saving test, you know, how to deal with Cape Buffalo and elephants. Yeah, I mean, it's all that stuff over there is, mm-hmm. especially the, a lot of the big five when you're dealing with lions and leopards. And I've only ever been over there once. So a lot of this is just kind of taken from what I've dealt with over yeah. there. But Zimbabwe was... It was pretty wild. And then all, everything we hunted over there, we hunted the big five and then, uh, you know, some planes game stuff uh, and crocodiles and stuff. But it was that being that pH and, you know, that danger was, mm-hmm. I just loved that yeah. aspect of things. <laughs> and it probably goes back to It goes to back to like some other comments we made. Right. Bad. But it is... There's nothing like it. And a lot of people would not have because you're hunting, but oh. you're basically kind of being hunted too. Oh, you're, yeah. You're well, risk. like we, we killed an elephant. That was what that was a, insane. People like, oh, you shot an elephant. I, if you said I could only kill one thing ever again, that's all I'd ever hunt was the right? elephant. And you know, you read old books by like Roosevelt, some of those guys, African, you know, elephant hunters. You realize if after doing it, you know why they did it yeah. because one, you've got to get so close to them. But the other aspect is that you know they they when they come, they're going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And and some of those animals they talk about like false charge and black charge. And the elephant do a lot of that, but it's that. You got to get in 30, 40 yards. They know you're there and you shoot one and there's usually more with them and it becomes a train wreck and they're, they're going to come. A little different than our normal adrenaline rushes we get here. And they're going to kill you. Yeah. (laughs) And they're going to, if they, when they come. The feral cat wasn't really a threat to you, but the elephant. The elephant. Yeah, it is. You know, it's like we hunt, we leopard hunted over there too and, and we lion hunted. Um, and, uh, of course we did shoot Cape Buffalo. Um, but it was just that aspect of a lot of times the danger of, yeah, these things, they come, they're going to you know, try mm-hmm. to kill you. And that just, I just loved that. Yeah. And when I got back from there, it was like, that it was, I want to go back. It's just, you know, financially, you know, you go over there and shoot that stuff. It costs so much money. I mean, you're looking, if you wanted to go do it right, probably a hundred thousand dollars. Is that right? And, uh. I was just, if I wasn't getting married and hadn't met my wife before, I'd have stayed. I'd have become a PH and lived over there. Because yeah. it was just that, that, that was just that much fun, that exciting. Mm-hmm. And I know some guys uh, like Mike Eastman, the, you know, yeah. Eastman's Hunting Journal, he spent a lot of time over there. He would go over there and guide and, and work for six, eight months out of the year. And uh, he's told me about, he's like, that's, he, lo- he loved it over there too. He was like that adrenaline rush and the stuff that we were doing and, and uh, it's just, there's not a lot of, there is laws, but there's not, it's just, it's like a wild west over there. Yeah, is it still that way today or is it changed? I, I'm, I'm sure it is. But yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, they, they hunt or uh, they've closed some of those places down to hunting. And, you know, I know guys that have went over there and been shot at. My boss's dad, that uh, he's been all over that place and he's come back a couple of times, been shot at and had guys with him get shot and just, it's, uh, you know, chasing poachers and. Like in Zimbabwe, if you catch somebody poaching, you can kill them. So it's those guys, those PHs, they'd all whack people. Yeah. Catch them, you kill them. There is, that is a lot. Wow. And the, the thing you had, uh, now you had, when we hunted with, you had a government official with you the whole time. He had an AK-47 and he documented everything you killed. But two, if you got in a gunfight with poachers, he's right there. But yeah, that was, they were like, if we start, we get into it poachers, Grab a gun because you can kill them. No questions asked. 
I mean, it's just that mentality. It was like, hey, this is 200 years. We can, this is, I like this kind of stuff. This is fun. Yeah. And uh, if I hadn't, you know, if I hadn't met my wife, I'd have stayed. I'd still be over there. There's probably times she said she, she probably is threatened to send you back a time or two, hasn't she? She doesn't know that. I never told her that, <laughs> but I wouldn't have come back. She's the only reason I came back. Well, that's good. That's but good. it was, yeah, I, I would Different go back experience. And, I, yeah, nothing unlike. It's nothing like here. Yeah. I mean, it's. And folks do. You know, you see on, of course, the old social media, they do some positive things, but also, you know, the opportunity for people to criticize things, especially in. in of course, the longer you live, the more you realize there's two sides to every story. You know, yeah, shooting an elephant or that, people just go crazy with that stuff. And, and uh, you know, it's why people talk about something that they haven't experienced. Yeah, before. They, they, yeah. It's, part of it is they just don't want it. They don't know that experience because you get in that situation, it's just so much adrenaline and so much like intense. It's not. I mean, killing a big whitetail is like maybe a, a ten. Yeah. I don't want to tend to giant whitetail, but then you go there and that just takes it to like 15 to 20 wow. with some of that stuff, <laughs> at least to me. Yeah. And you see why, like, especially like these SCI guys, they go all over and they, you know, wearing the ivory jewelry and, mm -hmm. and the rings. And they, once they kill some of that stuff, well, we got to kill all of it because it's so addicting. But, you know, the bad part about it financially, it's just cost. Yeah. Though, though, you you got to pay a lot of money. I'd say there's a good chance I won't be able to go. No. <laughs> We'll just go ahead and mark that off. My, okay, I'm not okay. going to Zimbabwe. Yeah. Yeah. Not to get mention the cost, but the chance I'm going to return home. Yeah, now yeah. South Africa's, you know, that's pretty cheap. And you can shoot a lot of that, you know, that stuff. But it, you're not going to get into the, the, you know, like where you see the guys, like on some of Jim Shockey's stuff, they they filmed it really well where you see those guys going into the Buffalo and they'll wait, to, you know, and or some of that other stuff he shot. That, that stuff isn't South Africa. That's the Wild West. Yeah. That's where you got you're dealing with a lot of stuff that can go bad jake yeah. uh, is there some stories about shit and a, and a knife maybe he likes to do some things in his free time hunting wise he puts the gun down the bow down and puts a, <laughs> shed puts has a, a big knife passion in for hunting hogs with dogs yeah and uh yeah so that's that's where that comes from but it's yeah, up close I mean, and personal that's a big passion of yours isn't it raising those dogs and chasing hogs with them yeah well, growing up, my dad was a veterinarian, so I was always around animals. I mean, it, we had dogs, cats. Uh, he had a, a lady that worked for him at one time that was uh, dealt with injured animals, you know, so uh, game wardens would bring. We had hawks, fawns, coons. I mean, we just, we raised everything growing up. And then as I was growing up, me and my cousin, well, we got into coon hunting. We were like, we went every weekend. We had really bad dogs, and uh, it just started with coon dogs. And then as we got a little bit older, some of the dogs we were buying from uh, some guys were out of West Virginia. They were bear hunters. So then we got some so-called bear dogs. They weren't what we, at the time, we thought they were, hey, we can run bears, and we'd go down to West Virginia for a month at a time in December and stay with those guys and run all over the mountains and, and bear hunt and you know, hey, my dog was at the tree. We thought we had something. We really didn't. And uh, so when I moved down here, I had a few bear dogs and coon dogs. I had to get rid of all that. So when I moved down here, I met some guys, and they were into hog hunting. I'm like, oh, that's right up my alley. So, and that is, I mean, it's a daggone good adrenaline rush. You get a big old boar hog hemmed up in a spot, and you know, we catch them all with our hands. We don't, we don't shoot them. 
and uh, and we stick them with a knife. And so you know you're right there them, on. Yeah, you you get slide up in there, fifteen twenty yards, turn that bulldog loose, and that bulldog catches that that hog on the ear. And, and they then, get after them, don't they? Them dogs. And then you're right behind them. As soon as that bulldog catches them, you grab them by the legs. And so, you know, it's it's adrenaline rush. There's a lot of people that there's some people that I've taken it'll go and like I ain't never going again. I've had people that I've taken <laughs> that I've kind of gotten some situations that have sat there and cried like a baby and said, I can't believe you did that to me and, you know, blah, blah. And, and then I've had some people that said, this is the most awesomest thing I've ever done. And, uh, just loved it. Like, uh, Michael, uh, what's the guy that the chef? Yeah. Michael yeah. Hunter from Canada. Yeah. I took him and he just went nuts. He said, this is the greatest thing I've ever done. I mean, he was screaming, yelling, dancing around. He thought it was just awesome. And, uh, so it just goes from one spectrum to the other because mm-hmm. you can really break somebody down real quick. Hard to know until you get out of there and find out where. Yeah, well, you start Which wading through, you? you know, swamp that's chest deep around here and you got cottonmouth swimming beside you and, you know, or you get in a spot in the, uh, you know, in the middle of the night and we used to catch them. With it. We'd catch them, keep them alive. And you could, you know, I could sell them. And maybe get 20, 25 bucks. You take them home, put them in a pen, and, you know, just call a neighbor and say, hey, I got some hogs, you want them? And, People around here would pay for them. Well, then they changed. You can't transport anything, so we just had to kill everything. But I mean, I you know take them. I took one. We caught a big boar hog one. I left the guy in the woods with it, and I and I thought I knew where I was, but I I, I was off a little bit, and so his flashlight went dead. He's laying there, <laughs> sitting in the woods next to this big hog. I come back. He was in tears. He's like I. He thought he was done for the night. And that hog every you know thirty seconds is grunting or moving around. I got him used to use handcuffs to, to hold their legs together and he just he he, he had a full meltdown <laughs> done never never i haven't even talked to him since then <laughs> i bet not i bet done how long did he stay there all night long no it was about two hours before i got back but his light went dead and he just it freaked him out of course we were in the swamp and yeah. then you know he's a lot probably, of things out yeah, there he's you know a lot of things that he thinks in his mind mm-hmm. but that hog land right there he just kept waiting for it to get up and kill him <laughs> Were you guys ready to talk about a little how to get in the old hunting industry? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, let me ask both of you, and of course, a little, probably a little more question actually, I guess, for uh, for Shed, because 20 years you've been there. What, what, what is it about Mossy Oak uh, that's kept you there for 20 years? Hmm. I, 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 a lot of it is the culture of the, the business. Um, you know, Toxie's got, um, it's not a place you're going to work at and, you know, get rich. The, you know, working for anybody, you're not, yeah. you're never going to get rich. Mm-hmm. You've got to work for yourself if you want to, if you have those aspirations. But the, the family culture, the, the aspect of, you know, if I got something going on, if I need to leave at three o'clock, I'll get my kids. Nobody's gonna say a word to me, mm-hmm. and you know, but they know a too. A lot of value in that. Right? Yeah, and they know too that if I if they hit me up at six o'clock at night, or uh, you know, numerous weekends we're going from home and and stuff like that. But there's just that family mentality of you can, you know, go do whatever, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know they never they never miss a beat. My wife had breast cancer last year, and you know. We, a lot of times dealing with that crap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, that thing's, that's a shit show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, she's doing well now. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, but, 
then there must be you need anything let us know yeah. and you know it's just that that mentality and they they've done that with numerous people there numerous employees so kind of sit back as a you know and it sounds like what you're saying like the right thing to do mm-hmm. and you know in my business which is a school business that's the way we operate you know it's about the people and you don't need to, hey you don't need to tell me anymore you go take care of your business i yeah. either I trust you or i don't trust you and same goes back and forth and all that sounds common it's not very common you know it's that's not right. common in a lot of businesses Bottom line is, hey, you're, you're hired here to work to five o'clock. You're gonna be here at five. Mm-hmm. Can't do that, you know. And so that's that's a special thing you can't yeah. find anywhere. And, and there's a lot of times that could have went work somewhere else. And there was there's been times where I wanted to. Yeah. And you get mad at people or frustrated mm-hmm. in certain positions. But you know, I, there's times too. I think that you know it's probably been God looking out for me. So now you just stay right here. You'll be yeah. all right. Mm-hmm. And uh, that. Um that just that family mentality and and say hey this is you know it's a, it's a good I man it, it's um it's just that good environment and the people there are you know and, and he's he's done a good job of hiring the right people and bringing the right the right people in and and uh to run that place and it's uh you know it's just they're all family and that's the thing, you know, you could go work at a factory or, you know, some of these other places and, and uh, you just, but you're not going to get that. Yeah, no, the connection's not, the connection's yeah. not there. That's the thing. It's it's just that. And for you 20 years, I mean, if you're not enjoying it, you're not, you're not going back. So that says, no. that says a lot about it. And, and um, I think that's probably the, 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 you know, most important thing is just the way that the people are treated there and, you know, being able to, you know, you know, just be in a family atmosphere and, you know, they're given the, you know, responsibility and trust that, yeah, they're going to get their job done. Now, if you don't, there's people that have come there and took advantage of that and they're no yeah. longer there. But mm-hmm. it's a, just that family mentality. How about you, Jake? Now, you don't have the 20 years. There's what, going in year, it's year three yeah, for you, isn't it? Year three for me. But um, I was, I mean, always wanted to work for the company, but it was, it was really solidified for me that we made the right choice. We were on our way from Oregon to Mississippi and we had to make a pit stop for one last event for me to to work for the agency I was working for uh, for a golf tournament in uh, in Branson, Missouri at the Big Cedar Big Cedar and Top of the Rock. So I had to work that event but to cut a long story short uh, my wife's car was being uh, transported to um, to our new rental house in Mississippi and the goal was for the driver to just drop it off in the driveway and you know they'd have their payment so uh the truck driver called me who didn't hardly speak a lick of english and this was in columbus uh, mississippi which is about this house was about 40 minutes from our office in west point and it's about 9 30 or 10 p.m on a saturday and uh truck driver calls me i can't hardly understand him but ultimately what he was saying is there's no through road in that subdivision and he ain't gonna he isn't gonna take his truck back there and so i was like hey can you can you leave it at the gas station that's right on the corner there and he said absolutely not you know it's in the contract i gotta leave it uh with the driveway and if you don't have it if you don't come and get it within an hour we're gonna take it to like whatever i don't know if it's an impoundment and we'd have to pay thousands of dollars to get it out and release it back to us. So I'm trying to make a bunch of calls. It's it's a huge thunderstorm there in Branson, and it's just a wreck, and I'm really starting to stress. 
and my my final call just because um, other people just could not do it. They weren't there or whatever. I called Daniel Hayes, Toxie's son, and said, Daniel, here's the situation. And Daniel hardly knows me. He knows of me. We've met each other. But I said, Daniel, if somebody doesn't go get this car for me, it's going to cost us thousands of dollars. And he said, don't worry about it. I'll go get it. And he, he went over. And, uh, I mean, it, it may sound like a minute task or whatever, but, I mean, it was everything for him to just go do that for us and save us thousands of dollars, go take the car off the driver's hands, park it, go back home. Um, that just kind of sold it for me of the family that we were moving in, moving to. And it's been nothing but that from a cultural perspective, like Shed said, ever since then, um, from Mr. Bill Sugg to Toxie and just little things that, they can do for us um you know we don't have family here so sometimes uh just them opening up you know some of their properties or whatnot for our family to come in for a birthday mm -hmm. and things like that it's huge uh touches like that that you know like you said earlier joby but it's not always about the people in every company but here it is so that's just that's what just has me yeah. and that is a big that is a big deal common decency toward people helping your fellow man i mean that's something along a lot of things got lost a long time ago so for daniel to do that although you think that well that, you know why wouldn't somebody well people don't do that no you know that's your problem your deal i got my own stuff going on so that that does mean a lot, especially when he you, called me. I didn't go. Yeah. <laughs> he was his first guy. Right, I'm a hog hunter right now. I got a, oh, I got a big hog down. You ain't earned it. <laughs> Shed lives on the wrong side of town for with where he lives. That was he wasn't. That wasn't. You were gonna make that yeah, call from, from where Jake was probably living at the time. It's probably a, what an hour from here. Yeah, that close. yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, so maybe a little farther. It was not a convenient. Now, what gesture. was the, what was the moment, Jake, that uh, when you thought? When you first thought, whatever that was, when you saw your office or you met some, that moment that you thought, I finally made it. Made it, um, just kind of professionally. Or, yeah, professionally or in this COD. business, which has been your goal to do. I Honestly, as far as, you know, it's not a monetary measurement for me, but I, I would say it's the relationships. I mean, just like who who I know I could call not even because of their status in the industry, but like what they would do for me professionally and even personally. Uh, I'd say it's that network that kind of symbolizes my perspective of making it uh, just incredible and your, and, relationships. And at your age, I mean, you probably, I mean, you grew up knowing who Toxie Hayes was yeah. and, my, and oh, yeah. these people. And so then to have them on your phone, them as a, knowing you, the friendship, all the, you know, that goes with it. That's that's got to be a big deal for you. It, it's just getting to know these people behind the scenes, even outside who of they are Oak, people. But who they are, even the people within Oak, who they are, their character, uh, what the industry means to them, what conservation and hunting means to them, and just having that bond with all of them is what kind of reinforces my perspective of making it and just those again those relationships but even guys like shed i mean i've watched his work of as an as a producer for years and i watched him as you know the hunter for several years before i was ever here and um i would argue that the the friendship that i've built with him is um it, it you take a lot you're a lot harder to you know get on that side with than most people but but i feel like i'm there with you but no i mean guys like shed um it's 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 good stuff i mean it's just fun it's, yeah. it's a family it's a brotherhood even the industry is you know we all have sometimes people bash each other and whatnot you know and hunters critique hunters on social media but ultimately there's that common bond so 
I think the other part, yeah, where I get the hard time is you kind of gotta. To me, you kind I got you kind of gotta like earn. a little bit earn it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, you know, Ben Rising, I think in that same when that hunt we talked about earlier, kind of says that about you. But once once Shed's got you, once he's in and got you back, it's it's a done deal. Yeah, then. That's I right. think some of it goes back to like I don't want I don't want to be around somebody that's just got a negative attitude, don't want to do anything. Mm. I, you know, and that goes with anything in life. You want to be with somebody that, or hang out with people that are going to help, going to help you, but also you kind of got common interests, but also that when you're, you know, when stuff goes bad or, you know, they're right there and they're going to work and, you know, you they're going to pull their own weight. Yeah. And a lot of people don't do that. No, and I just don't have much tolerance for that. Mm-hmm. And or What's in know, it for me, but I'm not interested in putting input but no output yeah you know and i just don't i got very little you know if you want to whine and cry and all this is my issue today bye i just don't i don't care don't tell me about it i don't want to know about it go (laughs) go do something else because it's just that's just a drain on you and and you get you get to be around people like that it just you you know you just go downhill and it just i don't have much tolerance for that so that's probably a lot of it is like oh he's a you know i'm like i'm not but you know, I'm not that big of a prick. But you know, <laughs> if you ain't, if I don't like you, there's a reason that you're probably, a, you know, yeah. you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. You know, just put it nicely. <laughs> what, what, what was your moment, Shed? And when you thought, hey, I, I don't want to aspire doing. I, I made it. I don't think I ever made it. I, I I still always I look at like I got a lot of stuff I want to do. Um, I look at like there's a lot of I wanted to work at Mossy Oak. I mean, I can remember, I think I was like 15 or 16 before I knew anybody there. They were, we used to run TV shows on TNN. And I can remember watching that. And I told my mom, she'll tell you this, that I said, that's where I'm going to be working. And I was like 15, 16 years old. And, but I, I got all these things. You kind of, it's like maybe like a middle-aged, bright, you know, like, you know, midlife crisis, but you mm-hmm. get to a point like, okay, I wanted to do this, 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 and this, and I've kind of done all that, but I'm never like felt like, yeah, I made it. I'm good to go. I just I had a feeling that'd be your I, answer. I'm still very hungry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like, I got a lot of stuff I want to do, a lot of places I want to go, and things I want to accomplish. It gets, I think, you have to like, you get a certain point where you get kind of stagnant, or you get, I don't know if not necessarily stagnant, but um, how do I get further? Because one the farther up and things you get completed, there's, you know, I guess, you know, like there's a point, but maybe you got to kind of open back up and set some more. There's more goals, goals for yourself. Or, keep it, you know, play. Keep yeah. it exciting. Kind of like an elephant coming at you. You know, you, Probably. Want, you want to keep that adrenaline going where there's challenges uh, out there for you. you and know? that's the, you know, just these challenges. I don't feel like I've, you know, made it. There's, I've got so many other, much things I want to do. Um, I mean, you you meet so many people. My kids are like, "Oh, you're famous, Dad." I'm like, hey, you "Famous? I don't do it." You know, they, like Brad Pitt's famous. Yeah. That's famous. <laughs> like Joe. I Rogan. mean, I, I would I will say I think the looks are, are, are very very similar. Yeah. You, Jake? Between Chad yeah. and Brad, absolutely. That, yeah. They he that count, aspect. I, I walk into the airport. Same with them, person, like, almost. Brad. It's yeah. like, no, that's I, yeah. yeah. But you know, the, these guys, these these uh, what do you want to call them? Hunting celebrities, whatever. Mm-hmm. They pay to be on TV, so you're paying to put yourself out there. You're not getting paid to do it. Now there are some guys now that the networks have changed and stuff that do get paid to do some stuff. But seven, eight years ago, when there was 
400 TV shows out there, all them guys were paying to put themselves on TV. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many times you're on the hunting channel. You walk through an airport or somewhere, there's no, you're not getting mobbed. The girls aren't throwing the panties at you. <laughs> or whatever you're trying to say, oh, I can, I'm a better, I can kill bigger deer than you. Well, that's just because really, truthfully, you got a better place to hunt. Mm -hmm. If you live in Iowa and got great big deer, that's the deer you, you're going to kill. But if you live in Mississippi, you just don't grow 200-inch deer in Mississippi. Yeah. So a lot of that is you got to live the right place to be able to, to do some of that. But it's it, it, it doesn't, you know, being on TV and the hunting side of things, it doesn't make you a, a celebrity or anything like that. It's just kind of what we do. What do you do with all that as far as those people that come to you to say, hey, I want to be in the hunting. What advice do you, what advice do you give them? And we've talked about some of that, you know, hitting on it a little earlier as far as the stick to itness, if you will, or, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. You want to go first? Yeah, I, th I think now is, I think now is easier to get in probably than it used to be. Because really it used to be there was really like two ways. If you had a television show or if you were kind of a writer. And I can remember going to some of the first camps I went to, and even before I worked at Mossy Oak, I worked for Fred Zink. And I, well, I remember we went to a, a Browning event in uh, North Dakota, and the two of the guys that were there were writers for Outdoor Life and had never hunted before. They had just got hired, and this was their first hunt and their first trip, and I'm sitting here going, and I'm like, well, so what'd you do before this? And one guy's like, well, I, I grew up in New York, and. You know, so I applied for this job out of college, and I, you know, I'm going to write for Outdoor Life. But, but I, yeah. I mean, I had to show him how to shoot a gun, and I'm like, this is the guy that we're supposed to get our. I was, for basic like, oh, I was like, this is, I just, I was pissed because I'm like, this isn't, you know, I'm, you're, you're putting out content to the masses, and you don't know nothing about it, mm -hmm. but you're, but everybody's going to think you do, yeah. and, uh, but back then it was kind of writing, and now there's with all the social media. I mean, like the guys with the hunting public or yeah. some of these other, if, if you got the deer and a camera and, you know, YouTube channel, you can really, you know, it doesn't cost anything. It's mm -hmm. really low and you can create a, a, a following and get people to jump really on board. Really expand a lot of more opportunity for yeah, people. Yeah, I think, you know, that's the way to, to do it. And a lot of these younger guys are doing it that way. And, and uh, it's funny because you see the, you know, the older guys that have been around a while are like, well, you know, Look at the, you know, I, I, you know they, don't, they don't know how to take it because they can't, television show isn't getting the numbers that some of these YouTube channels are. And so yeah. all of a sudden these guys have become really popular really quick. And, you know, you see some of these older guys getting their lips poked out because mm -hmm. well, I'm supposed to be the guy that's getting called to do articles and, you know, going to events. And they, they're not calling them because they're not popular anymore. Yeah. And, uh, but it's... Again, a change of the times on, on how, it is, and on it's how changed, things are done, how people get the information. Uh, it's yeah. changed quick. and uh, I, But that that would be the easiest way to do it. If, you know, get a camera, start popping a YouTube channel, and you know, have all your social media stuff clicking because that's where everybody's looking. If you, like we, we do some stuff with K&M, and that was one thing they asked us, and that, that they were looking for influencers, and it was all off how many numbers you had for social media. Yeah, They didn't care if you had a television show or if you been around the industry for 20 years it was what, what he's got 30,000 followers that's who we want okay that works how about you Jake what uh, what do you think what do you think on the for people to get into the industry man it, like just like I was 
the example of what I'm about to say, but I mean, if if it's volunteer, it, you have to build a network. You have to be you have to become known so that when the opportunity presents itself, or whether it's a job interview, maybe you've got some references, but you've got to have the resume or the word of mouth reputation to get the interview mm-hmm. if a job in the outdoor industry is what you're after. So. Um, I would say join any types of pro staffs that you can, anything like that. Live the life on social media. So building a resume, basically. A resume, absolutely. Vol- volunteer, man. Get to know your local NWTF, DU, QDMA, any of those chapters. Get involved there. Try to try to get to know the regional directors of those organizations. Anything like that. If there's a if there's a company close to you. Go volunteer for them. Seriously, I mean, go if there's an if they're hosting an event, ask them if you can help. That's how you're going to get to know the marketing contacts and anything like that. But um, I did a lot of voluntary work. I helped start a new chapter of a nonprofit in our uh, town in St. Genevieve, Missouri, Hope where out, I was Hope born. Outdoors. Hope Outdoors. We we formed the East Missouri chapter of Hope Outdoors and hosted those events, but. Not that I did it because of what I'm about to say, because we did it for other reasons, to hopefully to fulfill God's will and, and help people, you know, get an escape from their brutal reality through uh, the form of hunting and go on some great hunts and escape, you know, uh, just, you know, these are kids that are either terminally ill or, or just horribly adverse situations. So that's why we did it. But my point is, that went on a resume, you know, and then whenever that resume got presented to people for an oppor- an interview that I wanted, you know, stuff like that is, um, it's at least somewhat experienced the pro staff, uh, participation that I did with several companies in the industry, that's experience. And then I built up a few contacts and references so that when the interview presented itself, it's like, Oh, you know, these two people, we work with them. Perfect. Yeah, and, and you get the interview. Competitive archery, you know. Yeah, that, competitive uh, archery was a big deal, or a big uh, part of my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, big, big deal to me. But yeah, I did that since I was twelve. All of that went on a resume, and I think Shed could attest to this. And it was to his point with the outdoor. Li- and it's not to bash outdoor life. But that was just an example. But there are. I felt he was bashing. The, I think he's trying to bash him now. You want to? Like, no, I was wasn't. You just, just point out the no. Obvious. This was just yeah. And Jake's jumping on a bandwagon right yeah. now to try to bash. My whole right. point is though, whether it's some riders across the entire industry or any any type of category, there aren't people who are fully immersed in the lifestyle. Yeah. I think there's companies more hungrier now than ever to find those people that can combine their experience with their passion to live an outdoors lifestyle and believe it or not there's a lot of people in this industry who aren't fully committed to our way of life and it shows itself and it reveals itself um so i just think if you're interested in getting in the outdoor industry it's as good of an opportunity now as ever but shed hit on it earlier but i was thinking with digital marketing evolving the way that it is become immersed whatever your strengths are become immersed in those but search engine optimization, photography, video production and editing, writing, social media, all of those are hot talking points right now and hot hiring points right now. So, but even engineering and product design and development, all that stuff, supply chain, human resources, all those companies have those departments and they're looking to fill them. And I'm telling you, if you have an outdoor background and you live the life, you're very hireable. You know, and my generation, you know, you did whatever it took. You know, she'd say, hey, you know, from him, you know, 
there's a dig a ditch to be dug. Hey, where's the shovel? I'll I'll, I'll get after it. You know, right. That work ethic was there, and then and, and even though you're a younger generation, you know you've had that just from your upbringing, where you come from, St. Genevieve, Missouri, hardworking people, and uh, but the old do whatever it takes is not quite there with with everybody like or the younger generations like it used to be. Are, do you do you all see that? It's like the quote from Dumb and Dumber where he's like, man, there's no jobs around here anywhere. Yeah, unless you want to work 40 hours a week. <laughs> you know, and That's to right. your point, it's That's like, right. it seems like a lot of, a lot of, uh, I mean, I am hopefully um, not by character, but by age, I am a millennial. And uh, it's, it's just, I will say my, my demographic. She is like, yes, he is. Yes. My yes, demographic and those. You wear skinny jeans. No, I do not. <laughs> my demographic and uh, people younger than me, I don't think the work ethic's there. I think they go to college. They assume that that degree is going to get them, you know, a six figure job yeah. uh, out of college. It's just, you know, even if it's not in the outdoor industry, that's just not necessarily the case. And rarely is it the case. Um, yeah, I just I, there, but that's not to say there aren't hardworking people out there because I know that there are. But I will say it's tough to find them. But that, and that, but that's something that people that are looking to get in your industry. That's something I need to realize. Is I, I need to whether I've got that mentality or not. I need to develop it to do whatever it takes to build that resume to get if you want you want to get. <laughs> you know, a lot of people, of course, think that I want to get the hunter because I want to hunt all the time. Talk about that <laughs> that, that fallacy uh, that. Yeah, that is a fallacy. Oh yeah, <laughs> but I mean, that you know, it's just uh, then that just comes from watching it on TV. Oh, that's what that guy does. He hunts. But you know, it's just because you don't understand business, yeah. and or you're not there. Every you know, even if you're looking at Colonel Sanders at KFC, oh, that's all he does is chicken. I mean, you you've got to, there's a business model behind yeah. everything. And then you know, if if they you know, like if it's the Jim Shockeys of the world that you see on TV. That the outdoor channel promotes. Well, he's still got a business behind that that he's got to do and deal with and booking. And there's a lot more that goes into that than people know than other than just standing there. Now, guys like Brad Pitt, he probably just comes in and yeah, here's your coffee, sir, and do your lines. But not very many. You know, that's just that's just not the way it works. And uh, you know, the 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 thing about like a lot of the social media stuff now is you can kind of do that because you can just okay, hey, this is what we're gonna shoot. Roll on and. That's kind of the thing is, you know, it's almost like a live, you know, video feed on some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kids can go out and hunt and, yeah, you can be on camera today, I can do it tomorrow. And, you know, it's a lot more lenient than, you know, there's no real regulations on like YouTube or some of these, uh, like with Mossy Oak Go, you can kind of put whatever you want on there. If, you know, if you've got a, you know, a series or a, a show that you want to promote, it can be three minutes long or 10 minutes long. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't matter. It's not like the days of TV when there's, you know, it's 22 minutes and you got commercials and, you know, that other stuff. You, can, you know, there's just, it's just do whatever. Yeah. You know, as long as it's clean content, you know, it'll get, you know, watched. And you know, the social, the social media part of it too, not only, of course, is it big as far as a tool to use uh, now to get going, but also what advice would you give kind of the young person who oh, I want to do this and want to do this? But also as far as being careful what they put on their social media, you know, because I think y'all, and of course you don't use it, but what employers, you know, go, they're going to go look at probably your social media page and uh, some of the things that be put on there could be detrimental. Is there any advice you'd give on that? 
Yeah, yeah I, I guess I do. I do do Instagram. I do put my kids' stuff on there from time to time, or if I shoot something. But I, yeah, this day, I mean, gee, man, Christmas, you can't put anything. Everybody gets their feelings hurt. You can't say. I mean, <laughs> I got to walk around like with a mask over my mouth because yeah. I say something that somebody's offended. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I, I think you know, I had a, I had a guy call me yesterday in the industry, and he was pretty upset that we hadn't put anything out about Trump or politics or who. People should be voting for at Mossy Oak, and he was kind of like, I, I, I think, you know, Toxie should stand up and say, you know, say this is where we are at. And on one hand, I can, you know, I can understand where the guy's coming from, but on the other hand, too, we also have employees that might vote for somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's their, that's their opinion. That, yeah. You know, that's why America is America. You can vote for who you want. You that's can right. do what you want. I'm not just because you don't have that exact same belief as me that I don't. That's your opinion. You can mm-hmm. have that, which is, and so I, I think you know politics and and certain things. Just you know, I, I personally I keep my stuff to myself, yeah. and I think it's better to do that than sometimes be bolsterous. And because I look at it from a standpoint of, well, we where's our next dollar going to come from? And well, if the person that's working for you know you know this hunting company, they may not. Exactly. Maybe they're not a Trump supporter. Maybe they are, you know, or maybe they like Bernie Sanders or maybe they have this religious belief. And so I don't want to do something that's going to offend them, even though we're doing business with them. They they don't, they might not believe everything or feel everything. A lot of those things could take a young person out of the mix before they even get going. They don't even know they had the opportunity or could have had the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, you know, religion, politics and stuff like that. Keep it out of there. I would. Yeah, yeah. I keep it to myself. And respect mm-hmm. other people, which yeah, is something that we don't quite do like we once did. Not, not everybody does, and there's a lot of times. I mean, when I get when I retire, I may become a grumpy old man on social media <laughs> <laughs> and say what I want. But I think you know personally, I it just that's just me. I, I get to keep my stuff to myself. Keep my a lot of that off social media. Now Jake probably knows where I stand on everything, but <laughs> I, I I think it's just better to. To do that, because I, I don't want to, I don't want to hinder business for Mossy Oak, or yeah. you know, if something happens, I don't want to cause. Well, okay, we lost this big account, and somebody loses their job over it. it. May not necessarily be me, but what if it's somebody else there? And then the direct result is a trickle down effect. And you have to kind of, when you're young, you don't look at that. You no, kind you of look don't. at things with no consequences. Right. And I, you know, I don't want to do something that's going to be, you know, that could cost somebody else, you know financial heartache or put them in a situation yeah jake how about you i think you're yeah i was just thinking when it comes to like social media content anybody whether they're trying to get in the industry or even if they are in the industry but i guess speaking of the person who's trying to get into the industry they got to be authentic i mean everything shed just said is absolutely true i mean you know let's let's try to clean up any of the things you know if, if you're somewhat you know freshly out of college let's clean up all that you know kind of the common sense social marketing stuff for yourself and your potential brand but taking it a step farther and applying it to the outdoor industry your your con your posts have to be authentic and i feel like many of us in the industry and even outside of the industry it's so identifiable who who lives the life and who's just posting posting um just for the likes, if you will. Um, you got to respect the game in those posts, too. I, I just see so many dis, distasteful posts that just completely um, object the game and, and just m- make it 
not not what it is just the overall intent of the post it's just very distasteful i see it all the time um just completely disrespecting the animal and the life that you just mm -hmm. took so that stuff drives me nuts and i know it drives a lot of people in our industry nuts too but even outside of the industry just hunters in general there's some just some ridiculous posts out there to be quite frank and i would just challenge you if you're serious about getting in the industry or if you're even serious about representing hunting and conservationists let's clean it up a little bit <laughs> anything lastly that you think guys have covered quite a bit on any advice you would give somebody get in the hunting industry or wanting to any any last words of things maybe you can think of that we, that we haven't covered my one-liner is if you're serious about it do whatever it takes and if you weren't not willing to do whatever it takes then you ask yourself if you're really serious about it Chip. Uh, you know, go to another, go to another industry. Don't come to my house. <laughs> this is my house. No, the house no, that Shed built. No, I, it, it's um, yeah, it just all boils down to work. If you want it bad enough, there's plenty of opportunity there. It just depends on how bad you want it. I mean, um, you know, if you're hungry, go get it. Yeah. You guys might ask you a few questions. I'll just let you bring old answer. Just kind of, kind of some quick hitters a little, a little bit. Um, first one, what's your favorite all-time hunt and why? Mine would be, I, and I actually, I wasn't hunting when I went to Zimbabwe. when was over there in Africa, but, you know, just the elephant hunt. But there's nothing like that. It, it's like a 10 on top of a 10. <laughs> Mine was a DIY caribou hunt in Alaska. That's my favorite one so far. Just the adventure, the scenery, uh, the, were you bought elk then, or is that when you were? No, I, I was. Uh, I was. That's one of your early ones. Marketing right? agency then, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd say DIY Alaska is my my most memorable, hardest hunt so far. That was the most I fulfilling bet. and well worth it. What's one thing in your hunting arsenal that you just can't live without, or do without? Yeah, Jake. I'm not a gear guy. I am. I'm like. I'm a gear so guy. So we go hunting, and I'm a, like, it, Jake's got shit strapped all over him. I'm like Inspector Gadget. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm good. I just run. I have a backpack and my arrows and quivers. So, I mean, I'm not like. But, I mean, sometimes it actually, the quiver's actually not in the tree. It's on the ground. But you've, it, got, it, it, can I, yeah. you've got in the vicinity of where yeah, you're at. As long as it's like I got my rangefinder and, and the arrows, I guess, you know, I'm just making sure I got a broadhead on the arrow because. <laughs> But I'm I'm literally not the, the gear guy. I'm not a tech guy. As long as I got my you know my bow and arrows shooting good, I, I'm, I'm good. good. Go, huh? I, I always tell people, Shed's the type of guy that you could give a pine cone and a toothpick and send him out into the he'd come out with something, and he'll come he? back. He'll stay alive. <laughs> he'll survive. He'll thrive, and he'll stay out there as long as he wants to. Just give him a toothpick and a pine cone. He'll be fine. What's your one thing you can't? My my one thing that literally. It, it could be turkeys, it could be deer, whatever. My one thing that has literally covered my ass so many times is a, a seat cushion. I can't tell you how many, even before I was in the industry, how many times I've gotten my stand and squirrels have chewed up my stand cushion. And you hunt with outfitters who may or may not have a cushion there. Most of the time they probably don't. Mm -hmm, that's right. And man, an ex, a seat cushion is literally like a game changer of when you're sitting there four to six hours whatever 
sitting on cold, hard metal or sitting on yeah, that is cushion. Is there anything worse than showing up at stand when you're at somebody else's place or you know you're going to an outfitter and you have no, no, you're going to be there that, all day and no cushion all, to see. And, and whitetail hunts, it's always clipped in my backpack and turkey hunts, I'm usually wearing a vest, but sometimes I don't if I'm packing light and I'm still taking a seat cushion. But for the record, he brings more than just the seat cushion. Right. right. Sounds like a other there. items, a couple other items with him. It's it, it, no like matter. a Christmas tree walking out there. He just got stuff hanging all over everywhere. And I'm like, even I, when I travel, I, Shed knows. When I'm I like, sleep in camp. I what got, is all that stuff? I look at him I'm like, what is all that stuff? I'm like, oh, it's all needed, isn't you it? You need wet wipes. You need. Uh, he's you know, got like it. If I, I, I if I don't have it, water, I can go, I can go Jay, extra but, yeah, gloves, I'm just, extra face mask. And he's running the store and he just ask Jake. It's funny because there'll be guys that will get licensing stuff and they'll come around and be like, hey, you want this? And you know, I'll be like, I'm good. And they'll look at and they'll look at me like I offended them. I'm like, but I'm just not going to use it. I just give it to somebody else that is because that's just something I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not a guy. I'm not a techie guy. I'm I like not, it. Looks you know, great. I'm sure it works well. But I'm just. Yeah. I'm not interested. Yeah. In use so it. just you know the guy down the hall. He, he'll yeah. take it. He'll take two. He's, yeah. got, he's got three of them, but he'll take another one just in case. That's me. I'm the hoarder. Yeah. What's the best advice you've ever received, Jay? Best advice. Hmm. Probably comes from my dad, I think. Like the most consistent advice he ever told me is to be a man of your word. And I I fall short of that sometimes, but I always try to make it a priority. You know, if, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Um, that's important. And uh, that's probably the most consistent advice. But, I mean, if I had any advice to give, just be true to yourself in all ways. But, I mean, real quick, I would just like to say it's probably... Uh, Proverbs three verses five and six: Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your path. Um, ever since I gave my life to the Lord in March of 2013, not that I'm perfect and not that I don't sin, but He has guided my path in a supernatural way that did not happen before I surrendered. There's some things that happen there once so, you do, isn't there? Yeah. So I'd say actually I gotta give the best advice I ever had to God. Proverbs three, verse five and six. Very good. He knows what he's doing. If you just let, if you let him, yeah. if you give him a shot at doing mm -hmm. it, he'll figure it out. That's exactly right. He's already got it figured out. Yeah. Jay, what's your advice? Probably, you know, for best advice you've received, I guess. It, it, you know, my dad probably used to always say it was, you know, he, you know, we'd do something and he'd be like, don't lie to me. Boy. You know, <laughs> just don't lie to me. And that's kind of always stuck with me is just no matter the situation, that, you know, you're going to mess up. Everybody messes up. Everybody makes mm -hmm. mistakes. Just, yep, that's own me. Own to I it, did move it. on. Own to it. And that's why I tell my own kids is I don't care if you do it, you're going to do it. Just tell me the truth. Don't yeah. lie to me. And, you know, I just, that's probably part of the reason I've always, you know, they, they call Shed, he's got hate in his heart, blah, blah, blah. It's, oh, I'm just going to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Tell you what you want to hear, whether you like it or not. This is the truth. And, it's, know, and the easy thing to do is you want to hide it. But from a receiving point, you know, if I'm your dad or if I'm your boss or whatever, I just want to, so I can move on. The, the receiver, all right, let's move on. I mean, it's so much simpler. It drags out to a much bigger deal when you when you go the other way. And 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 there's been times that I probably know, I, I that I've done some stuff that I should have been could have got fired over. Or, you know, could have got and I and you know they were like, boy, what's the deal? I said, this is the truth. Yeah. And you know, it wasn't stuff that we did that was bad, but we got in some situations and and they were like, you know, we didn't, you know, you 
you told us the truth. We mm -hmm. figured that, you know, in the long run that you did, but that's why you're still here. Cause yeah. I'm like, but there's nothing to hide. I mean, just, that's probably makes my best advice. Very good. Make, yeah. Makes it a lot simpler. Just be honest. What's one thing uh, you go back and tell a, knowing what you know now that you'd go uh, back and tell a young Shed Whitaker? <laughs> that's, that's, um, that's loaded, isn't it? It could be the same thing as a question before, or it could go in a lot of directions. My, probably that uh, to wake up and, you know, I wish my dad would have, you know, there's a lot of times I wish he would put his foot in my butt when he yeah. didn't. Mm -hmm. He was, he was always pretty lenient and let me, you know, my mom was the one that was yelling and screaming and beating mm -hmm. the fire out of me, but yeah. he was always pretty lenient on, oh, okay, he's kind of going to make his own path. And I wish he would have put his foot in my butt a little more. Yeah. And um, I, I wouldn't, if he'd have done that, you know, he was a veterinarian. I probably went and took his business over. And uh, to me, growing up, from the time I was probably ninth grade on, school wasn't. It was. I mean, I walked in my senior year, and they were handing out books. I said, "You can keep them all. I don't need them." <laughs> but that's what I told yeah. the teachers, and they even brought that up when they had the graduation speech. They said, oh, "This was the first student that told us that we never needed. They didn't need the books." <laughs> and I still got good grades and got into college. Yeah. But I didn't. I put zero effort into it. When I got into college, I put zero effort in because this is what I wanted to do was hunt. And you know, I look back now and say, well, I could have took over a pretty substantial business mm -hmm. instead. I went hunting, yeah. and I mean, I wouldn't change that. I love what I do, but you know, there's also a thing of yeah, you know, I could have done a lot more financially yeah. and, and that. But you know, I just wish that you know I would have been like somebody said, hey, wake up. And that, and it, and I could still be doing the same thing, but I might be have got a little better education and paid a little more attention. So when stuff you know pops up, like Jake comes in and starts talking finances, and hey, what about this stock market? I don't have to bluff him. <laughs> yeah, add a, little, add a little more to the conversation. <laughs> right, I could be like, oh yeah, you know, we let me should... pull out my portfolio here. Exactly. <laughs> Instead of hey, check out this deer I'm looking at. So but, how's, how's your portfolio? Strong? It's very strong. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a, yeah, yeah that would be it. Just I wish I'd have you know got kicked yeah. in the butt a little more. Yeah. How about you, Jake. Uh, I'd, I'd say I had a class in college with Dr. Ed Leone, and uh, in that class, it was something along the lines of, he, he said, 90% of the things you worry about in life don't ever happen. And to elaborate on that a little bit, I, I think the remaining 10% that actually still, the things you worry about that do happen usually aren't as severe as what you even thought they might be. So to sum it all up, I'd say to my younger self, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't get wrapped up in your emotions. You know, sh try to seek truth, stick to facts, yeah. and uh, let that let that dictate your decisions. Don't sweat the small stuff. Um, of course, hunting and and your jobs take a big portion of your of your year of your time. What what do you do when you can get away from that? What's what's your thing to do when? Uh, your personal time away from hunting what's your what's your favorite activity right now it's being a dad uh she's reese is two now and uh and then to that being a husband and just trying to um spend time with them because like shed said earlier we do travel a lot we're gone a lot of weekends uh so when i'm not hunting it's my top priorities are my faith and my family for sure and kind of a fine line there, not to bring your worries, your stress from work home, you know, and that takes some time, but kind of 
to to juggle that a little bit or to balance that to, to walk that line and when you come home you are dad you're you are the husband instead of you know jake meyer at mossy oak and or just the problems or situations mm -hmm. or things you're dealing with yeah and i That's find that line. too i mean I, I that definitely kicks my butt is managing and that comes but, with time yeah. or it's a bad thing it comes with time and then you know your kids are two now i mean you don't know, want to wait till they're 20 you know yeah. before before you balance that so that home time's important now, how about you shed what's what's your favorite thing to do outside of probably coach i like uh you know football um i mean Probably the last, ah, oh, I think it's been seven years I've coached peewee football. Now, my son was playing, but I, I think about half of those years I didn't coach his team. I coached one of the other teams. And, um, you know, people don't realize, you know, where I live in Mississippi, it's you're, it's not inner city. But we're a, a county that's probably 85% minority. A lot of these kids don't have anything. And uh, so I, I started coaching football, and just I have a blast. You can have the crappiest day in the world, and little kids come out there, and oh, it's yeah. within two hours, it's that's gone. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I really enjoy doing that and uh, working with those kids. And then you know my son now he's getting up into middle school, and there's kids on the high school team, and they're you know hey coach, and you know blah blah, mm -hmm. and, and uh, you you know out there and they. they got really good football where we're at and all those kids a lot of them I've coached so it's it's just fun being a part of that it's something completely different that doesn't have anything to do with this and you can walk out the door from work and I can go quarter mile down the road and I'm on the football field and working with these kids and all that just goes away and, and, and other than dad probably coach is one of the I guess the most endearing type terms really a person could be called you know yeah. I mean a lot of it's, you do a lot of good with that you get to help a lot of kids that maybe don't have the home life that your children do, you yeah. know, or the support. And, yeah, those kids are wide-eyed and ready to go for whatever. What are you going to teach them? What are you going to do? I'm ready to go. And that, mm -hmm. that does it puts a lot of life, life into you. Yeah, and these kids here, that a lot of them don't have dads that are around no. a whole lot. So you show up, and it's like, you know, you're their, you know, their guy. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, It's a good feeling. It's just, it's just fun coaching them, and, and, you know, I just I love competition. And it, it doesn't hurt, too, when you're winning more than a lot. Then you're yeah, losing. We win a lot. You, yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> that's yeah, you the do. fun part. The kids around here got a lot to look forward to. Yeah, don't yeah, we win a lot. So it's, uh, but that's that's my kind of hobby, on the side. What uh, when you think about deer hunting success, who's the first person you think of? What about you, Shed? Probably, uh, you know, don't say me. Say someone else. <laughs> when I think about deer hunting success, it's probably the juries. Yeah, I mean that's Mark Jury was my answer when when I. Growing up, you know, they started doing those videos, and uh, I mean, that's what we sat around and watched. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't Dan Fitzgerald or yeah. Bob Folkrod or uh, you know those guys, the guys that started killing big deer, started putting it on camera was the juries. Sure was, and so that's you know they they kind of probably the epitome. And now now I know there's guys out there that they kill a lot of big deer mm -hmm. and they don't put it on camera. And I've, yeah. and I've met some of those guys and walked into their houses and been like, holy cow. And they don't want nobody to know that they mm -hmm. do that. Big time. But, you know, kind of in the forefront of all that and in the way they did it and, then, you know, still killing all these giant deer would, you know, beat the juries. Yeah. I tell, you, I tell you what, they put the work in to get to properties. I mean, just un unlike anyone has done it. And I would dare to say, you know, the most of, uh, 
of what a lot of our generations, you know, from my generation at 53 years old on down, that what they've learned has come from the juries. And Big time. I don't know if anybody's got a better scientific approach, almost really, than than what they do. You know, it's uh, that's exactly right. I, I was telling Jake last night. I back before, of course, now when you can get uh, information immediately. I think DVDs and uh, and then before that VHS came out about June first when the hunting shows come out. Of course, I'd have them ordered, and you know, I knew them the day they were coming in. You know, and I'd leave work early. It was like opening day of uh, baseball if you're like for, for us St. Louis Cardinal fans, or you know, if it's opening day of football season, or opening day of deer season, or dove season. It was that same excitement. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd tell the secretary at work, "Hey, I'm heading to the house." You know, go put my VHS in, or what, of all the whatever juries came out, you know, and some others, and and sit and watch them because the content was so good and just amazed at uh, uh, at what they were doing how they and how they were how they were doing hunting so that's exactly right it's like shed said you know there's several big and big deer killers out there but if you think about success like you said deer hunting success in your question but you know success in life in my opinion is really what you did for others and the legacy that you leave and if you look at the legacy that they've built for other hunters and the thing like through deer cast and the ability to kind of look at look at your weather and your deer hunting time like you know in a 10-day forecast yeah. or whatever and it's literally an algorithm built that they've put over 30 years of experience into designing mm -hmm. this algorithm to tell you when to hunt, where to hunt, all that. I, I just think um, they have done more to teach people than, very, very than rev anyone Very else. revolutionary. And they got people paying a lot more attention to that stuff, and they really laid it out there for them where it's easy to do, mm -hmm. you know. And yeah. I keep I keep track of their stuff on there just to, you know, what shows the good day or the great day. I keep calendar with, all you know, those things and yeah. always checking the weather. And, you know, I, I hunt primarily, you know, Illinois and Missouri. Mm -hmm. And what they put down has, has been – pretty much money every time as far as uh, weather conditions and, and whatnot go. Yeah. The biggest variable I think is human pressure and all of that. And that the deer cast can't dictate that. But I feel like if you can minimize human pressure and look at deer cast, it's, it's very, very, it's very, very accurate when human pressure is not, not involved in the equation. Yeah, you can't do it. The, the variables are going to be there as far as hunting pressure or people yeah. trespassing your property or cows, obviously, or any of those things can, mess things up but uh what uh person jake's helped you the most in your life uh, getting you where you where you are today is there one person that sticks out to you hands down it it's christy because um there's a problem going on in there he's, no he's done something he should no it's not that it's not that at all because i got married with her before i got in the industry and if she didn't support my passion and my dream to get in the outdoor industry i'd either be unhappily married or i'd be divorced no question because if she had said no if you exactly you wouldn't have went because it's, yeah. you don't that's the person you're with every day you don't want to battle that that's right know? that's exactly right so i'd either be live i'd be working in a job that i'm not fulfilled in i'm fulfilled where i'm at now professionally i'm fulfilled where i'm at personally so i'm telling you um the person that's helped me get to where i'm at is christy very good sir big time Shit. hmm Oh my, you know, I, I, to me, I, there's been so many different facets of, you know, my career over the last, I guess, 25 years and each part of it, there's been an individual that, that's kind of yeah. helped, but. We don't get there by ourselves, do we? No, um, probably, honestly, the, the person that's had the most effect on me would be 
uh, you know, Ben Mackey, who is my current boss. But when there was a lot of changes going on at Mossy Oak, I was fixing to leave because I just didn't really agree with some of the stuff that, that was going on. And uh, he had kind of came on board and I'd got to be friends with him. And then uh, I went to work for him. And there for a while, there was still a lot of changes going on. It was just me and him doing stuff. Um, a lot of trips, a lot of um, business stuff that we were trying to fix from uh, past people that were, were running stuff. And, and that went on for probably six or seven years. And he, he became VP of marketing and kind of mentored me over a lot of stuff. And, and uh, I, I kind of had, had gotten, um, I just didn't have a lot of, uh, <coughs> I hadn't, hadn't been taught a lot of stuff about business by previous folks that I was working with and working for him. I like, you know, took he kind of, yeah, took the time, he took the time to do that and we fixed a lot of stuff that needed fixed and we had, and, and, and just the job and at, at Mossy Oak and working with him. And so he kind of mentored me along, you know, the last the 10 years and, you know, kind of more like a you know, younger brother. Yeah. And so I, you know, probably owe a lot to him, um, with where I'm at now, just because I, nobody else has really done that yeah. with me. You know, that's the time we, we hire people positions and we don't give them the tools they need. Yeah. You know, expect them to just jump in there and get going, you know, and it's important to take the time and you appreciate the people that do. Jake, what's three songs? If you only have three songs on your, I was going to say uh, iPod, I don't know, if, I guess we still have iPods. Man, it's on your phone. So wherever Absolutely. you keep, maybe you keep your songs at. What's yeah. three songs you just would have to have, couldn't do with that? Definitely Reckoning by Whiskey Myers. It's Probably one of the most well, I think it's one of the most well-written songs I've ever heard in my life. Um, another one is Cry Pretty by Jason Eady, and that is because of how well-written it is as well. When That, that song that, cracked, That's a millennial song. No, it, no. <laughs> that song. I can My see, next one's yeah. definitely not a millennial song, but... Cry Pretty. I could see Shed in a karaoke bar singing a song called Cry Pretty. Couldn't you hear me just yeah, pitch, doesn't it? Yeah. It's Cry Pretty along with Reckoning, but Cry Pretty is one of the most well-written songs I've also ever heard by Jason Eady because people have had that song for their wedding song. But it, if you listen to the lyrics, th there's a few key words that allude to the song being about heartache and breakup. But the way that it's delivered is in a, it's a it's a song that people perceive to be like, oh, you cry pretty, you stand tall, and move with grace. Has anybody ever told you you cur you cry pretty, your tears fall don't me don't leave a trace, and that's because the tears were never there because she's not crying at all because uh -huh. it never worked out. So, she didn't know. I was anyway. talking about that the other day. We we're kind of wondering what yeah. what they really mean. We get in touch with our feelings. No, yeah. I'm just saying. Like anybody listening, <laughs> go listen guy. to the song. Uh -huh. it, the song is it's it's so it's the cry pretty is saying so well that it's so easy to just listen to and not really listen to the lyrics and the meaning. So that's why I think he really likes that song. That song. Would you, I, 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 would I, you I, concur I, on hey, that one? The last one. Without going into a explanation of why is Africa by Toto. Hey, there you go. Shit, how about you? you got, I got to go completely opposite. Uh, that's what I figured. Um, <laughs> uh, Jake, you just 
the millennial uh, game yeah. anime. So number three. one at the top of the list is ACDC Thunderstruck. There you we go. That anywhere, anytime. I can see you walking in the swamp as that's playing. Oh yeah. You know? I mean, they were we won the game last. They were, uh, I mean, they played at the football fields. I mean, that just you can be in a bad mood and that oh, comes yeah. on and it picks you up immediately. Go time. <laughs> and, and then um, you got to give. You got to give tribute to, to Hank Williams Jr. Country yes, boy can't survive. You're darn right, you do. Yeah, I mean, you do. That'll be a national type anthem. Yeah, and you know you got to. It's not kiss me pretty. <laughs> it's not. It's <laughs> cry, yeah. cry pretty. Yeah. yeah, and then probably the other one that no disrespect, uh, Jason Eady. I mean, no, that I like really well Jam. is uh, Eric Church, uh, the Dark Side, and that kind of you have to listen to that song. But that's one that you know you listen to that. Then you like you know, kind of understand shit. <laughs> that is a just great t- song. Just yeah. the title in itself, it, it, it fits there. Yeah. Don't it, Jake? Don't you I think, think? I think you. I guess what I mentioned earlier early on. It, there's there's side. I think you listen shit. to that song, you understand a lot of a lot of men really yeah. that you just don't get that beyond the surface of who they are. What's something unique? People don't know about you. Let's see. I don't know. I almost almost drowned to death. Third nipple. No, no, I got yeah. that removed. Yeah, that's right. No. I uh, I Those are in and out. Patient surgery you can be in and out on that. Almost quick. drowned to death when I was a freshman in high school. My dad, my dad pulled me out of pulled us out of a submerged uh, vehicle that we actually just ran off a low water slab there right. in Wine Garden. And your uh, dad just happened to be there. Dad was with me, or oh. we were with each other. So what it was was uh, he let he let me drive the vehicle. Uh, from the cabin to the midway it was all gravel roads at the time and there was a low water slab and we actually hit us it was in february i actually hit a small patch of ice going onto the bridge and the vehicle lost traction and we turned over upside down into this low water slab about five feet deep but if you're upside down in an suv in five feet of water you're underwater and the the cold the temperature of the water just like paralyzed me it was horrible uh it's dark freezing cold ice cold water um anyway dad uh, dad ended up taking his knife out busting out his window because it wouldn't it, w- it was electronic windows and it wouldn't come down he went up and but he busted out his window went oh up gosh. and got air came back down to try to get me and he couldn't get me out and then uh, the one conscious thought I remember having in that moment was undo your seatbelt. And I undid my seatbelt. And at that time, Dad had gone up for air again and came back down. And uh, at that time, I had undone my seatbelt and he was able to pull me out. And uh, I came up just literally vomiting water, just choking mm. on I'm so expecting much water. you to say right now, I'm just teasing that didn't really happen. Because no, I, I that, don't know how we hadn't discussed that, that over uh, the course of That time. happened when I was a freshman. Uh, so Had to give it a little different. I think we'd have been 2003 or four. Had to give like a little that. bit different bomb between you and your dad if that. A little think, bit, yeah. A little bit, yeah. He actually, he actually accidentally dropped that knife out on that farm and wine garden probably a couple years later and we could never find it but it's got a chip on the end of the blade mm. i'd still like to go find that yeah. knife. i bet, I bet we so. know about where it's at but we couldn't find it is that something that's, you still think about it times? yeah yeah I definitely think. especially when i hear people drown or you know we had a inside a, a car filled up with water i mean i guess yeah we yeah exactly and some of the windows around the suv had shattered so the water oh, soap comes in immediately yeah. had they not shattered you'd have some air to breathe a little time maybe, and yeah. time 
but some of the windows shattered, so it came in cold and uh, dark. But yeah, when you know when I hear people drowning um, and stuff like that, it immediately takes me back, and it's like deep breath. I bet deep breath. But yeah, that's one thing that wasn't expecting. Don't know about me. No, I, I didn't either. Or my dad saved my life. He was the best man at my wedding too. As he as he should have been. Yes, he was. Yeah. Chef, what's uh, something uh, unique about you that people don't know? Hmm. I can't really beat that story. No, no. I'm like, huh? Shut her down on that one. Uh, well, most people don't that that just know me on the hunting side don't know I'm a big uh, cattle rancher. Yeah. I've got uh, you know, a bunch of mama cows down the road, and most days get off work and go work again for a few hours. Yeah. So, how many head of cattle you got? Mm, about two hundred. Right. Yeah, I bet yeah. most people don't know that. Yeah, so yeah, that's uh, I mean, I've been. Just growing up, been around all my life. My grandfather was a big farmer. Does it work um, for you, or is it more enjoyment for you? That's that's more enjoyment. Yeah. I like I like. I've just always been around it. We, my grandfather, uncles, farmers, my cousins run some of their farms now, and uh, we always showed livestock and involved in 4-H growing up. So it's just something we always did. I always enjoyed it. Moved down here, and my wife's family were farmers and. So I just slid right in. <laughs> I'd okay. say one thing a lot of people don't know about Shed, and this is the truth, is how well he can read people. No joke. Oh, yeah. Just putting that out there. It's impressive. He's got some street smarts about him, doesn't yeah. he? And I mean, <laughs> you, you, you do. But I, I, I'll tell you guys, first of all, I want to appreciate you taking the time to, and I, I could ask you. The, the one thing about Jake that nobody knows oh. that I got to do, I got to say, he is the best dressed at Mossy Oak. There is nobody that dresses better than Well, there's him. nobody else that wears the skinny jeans, you know. Oh, boy. But, like, we'll go to an event. I'm like, just flannel shirt. He's going to be, and I'm kind of a little jealous because he does, he, he is a good dresser. He, he is. He uh, is. You are. Jake, any, any reply on that? No, just, no comment. You just, you're going to have to see my publicist for that You one. just do the best that you can. I you're, do. You're not I mean, wear what I'm told. You're not to draw attention to well, yourself. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Christy usually picks out a lot of my outfits, so I just wear that. I wear what I'm told. Do you call your stuff outfits? I'm just, I'm just throwing out that there. No. <laughs> <laughs> he's, got, he's got outfits. That, that just solidifies you. Thank you, Shit, for that little tidbit. That's yeah. a unique thing that we needed to know. He's got good colored socks, too. I still just wear white <laughs> Walmart yeah. socks. And... Or they're different color, black on one, white on the other. Oh, or... yeah. Pictures on them and stuff. Yeah. Shoes, shoes dictate the socks. He's got good <laughs> shoes, too. I mean, I am still wear, I wear the same boots everywhere. He's got all <laughs> yeah, kinds but of boots. Boots are universal. You, you know, you can, yeah. they, they fit any, any He's place. got all kinds of. an assortment, like, an array. Yeah. Penny loafers, that's what we used to call them. I don't know what they're called now, like Skechers. And, I don't know what they are. Yeah. They heard, they heard after about eight miles a, a day at SHOT uh, Show, stuff like that. Well, guys, again, I appreciate you taking the time to, to visit with me. It means a great deal. And, uh, again, it's, it's not even love fest, but just you, I've never met two more genuine good guys than you. Thank you. Thanks appreciate for having it, us on, man. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. It's a pleasure, my man. Cheers, yeah. Good stuff. I hope you enjoyed listening to Shed Whitaker and Jake Meyer of Mossy Oak. Subscribe to the Fosha Creek Podcast. Like us, rate us, and share it with others. With an old cane pole and a shady spot to sit, we learned everything we knew down on Boshi Creek. We'll see you next episode.